Off the Ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108. Uh, welcome back. So, all this week, Off the Ball is teaming up with the Irish Blood Transfusion Service to get people talking about the importance of blood donation. One in four of us will need a transfusion in our lifetime. So, this could be you, it could be someone in your family, a friend, or a neighbor. Uh, for more details on how to give blood, get on to offtheball.com forward slash IBTS, as in Irish Blood Transfusion Service, or go to giveblood.ie. Uh, Tom Dunn is on the way after 10 o'clock, and he's popped into studio very aptly because uh, of that read. And we've been doing um, things with the Irish Heart Foundation yes. as well. So uh, you're knocking around the building, and we thought, yeah. well, if we're doing both those things... I tick both boxes. Yeah. And probably not in a way you ever thought you would. No, definitely not. Even going in for this, I knew I was going in to have aortic replacement surgery, which is pretty big. Um, but in the, in the preamble, they said you won't be getting a blood transfusion. We kind of pride ourselves on that uh, because there are certain risks involved. Um, with blood transfusions, and you, the, the, as, you, as you'll, when we talk about the, the limited number of people who can give blood, there's lots of, of um, potential risks. Mm. So they're saying you won't be getting blood. But then when I came to um, a week later, I've, they told me I'd had four pints. So I'm not sure exactly what went on during the surgery, but mm. obviously something that wasn't quite expected. <laughs> um, so they wanted to tell me that because they were saying the night that I had the four pints of blood, the national supply was down to one day, with one day's supply of blood in the country. So they operate on a very fine margin. Do we ever get to points where there's shortage? I kind of don't want to know no supply. anymore. I, I doubt it. I think one day might have been as low as it's ever been. Um, and the person who was telling me this was saying that it's a very small percentage of the population who can actually give blood. There are lots of things that will disqualify you from giving blood. One of them is having lived and worked in England. And there's an awful lot of Irish people who've lived and worked in England. Mm. So it's kind of more important uh, that those who can give blood do so. Uh, I heard a very small percentage, I heard 3% which I can't believe, I, I'm wondering, was it the morphine? Did I not hear things correctly? Mm. I, and I could be wrong. I'm suddenly feeling very guilty because I, I don't know if I can give blood or not. Yeah. And I just assume, well, we're fine. There's bound to be enough people out there doing yeah. it. Yeah, I thought that as well. But I must say the one day shocked me. It really yeah, did. That's surprising. Um, it seems very tight. Um, for people who didn't see your Late Late Show interview, yeah. um, if you were to kind of uh, give a spark notes version of sure. the story. Last October, everything was yeah. a-okay. Uh, you went to see your cardiologist. In short, um, wasn't quite a-okay. They, they, they found a heart murmur about 10 years ago yeah. and you were told, let's keep an eye on this heart murmur yeah. and let's go back for annual checks. Yeah. And uh, for reasons I'm not quite sure, you did that for about seven, eight years. Yeah. And then we're feeling, you were feeling so well mm. that you skipped two years and yeah. Audrey, your wife said, you know what? Let's go back and check that out. And mm. you didn't get the usual chummy no. chat with the cardiologist. No. First time I met him 10 years ago, uh, we talked mostly about the REM gigs in the Olympia. You know, it was just he'd been at them and we, we talked, you know, he was delighted to have someone to talk about music with. Mm. Um, so, and then he'd say, you, this won't kill you, being no doubt about that, this genetic defect in my heart won't kill you. But you, may, you will have to have surgery at some point. 
And that, that shocked me, but they at some point always seemed to stay very far in the future. Every time I went along, it still seemed to be about five years minimum before I was going to be having surgery. So I became blasé is the only, you know, once I went and he said, don't come back next year, come back in two years. And when I went back in two years, it was still fine. So there was just a bit of me thinking, this could be five years, it could be 10 years. And that made me a bit uh, lax. And I think the reason, I was just thinking about it recently, I think the reason Audrey was twisting my arm is we were on holidays and uh, the restaurant was on the top of a hill and every night at the top of a hill, <laughs> I had to just tell them to wait for a minute, just, you know, slow down there for a second. And I saw her looking at me mm. once or twice and I was just thinking, it's a hill. What do you expect? You know, the kids are out of breath too. Yeah. It's not just me. But she got more insistent and that's, I went along then immediately after Fela, four days after the two Fela gigs, I was in with the cardiologist. And this time he wasn't as jovial. He said, um, your figures have moved. I used to have moderate stenosis, which is a stiffening of the valve. And now I had uh, severe stenosis. So he introduced the surgeon to the equation in a very casual way. You should meet him. It sounded like a social thing yes. almost, you know. So I went into that meeting very casually, thinking we would talk about surgery in general, and I might schedule it for a year or two years or something like that. But instead he said, um, four to six weeks. And then he told me the immortal line, you have a 70% chance of dying in the next two years. That had my total attention. That, that, was, that came from nowhere. I, I simply couldn't believe I was hearing that. Um, and I went home with that news I could see Audrey's face darkening and, and just, oh, suddenly it was right on our doorstep. It's scary. You know? Yeah, it had come from, it seemed nowhere. And uh, oh, the next few weeks, that was the 13th, uh, I got chest pains then over the weekend. I'm sure that was stress, but I had to go into A&E. I couldn't take a risk. No. Um, and A&E was grim, as it always is. More frightening. I mean, they, they couldn't have been more professional. The care was wonderful. Um, so two nights in there, um, and they were saying, independent cardiologists were saying, you know, severe stenosis, chest pains, you're going to have to get your head around the fact that you're having surgery soon. So oh, the next few weeks were grim. It was scheduled for November the 15th, and they, they sent out a list of what to expect and how to get yourself ready. So you have to get a certificate from your dentist that your mouth is safe. Did that. Um, no slippers, I don't own a pair of, I don't own pajamas. Mm. So there's all these kind of sly shopping trips where you didn't want the kids to know mm. why you're stockpiling this stuff. Um, did all that and then there was checking into the hospital which was really tough. It must be very surreal. It is surreal, it's yeah. like it's not happening Can't to you. It's happening. Like, no. Lots of us have had surgery, surgery on your heart. Oh. You know, that's not, you that's can't not dwell just on surgery, it, yeah. You know? And it's going in through your chest. It, it, they, they go through the sternum to do this, which... You're cracked open. Yeah, you can't dwell on it. You just can't and dwell on it. And were you able it. to not dwell on it? Yeah, I was going in. I had total faith in the team. Mm. Um, my cardiologist was great. The surgeon is probably one of the leading surgeons in the world. He's James, James McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. Brilliant. Uh, and everybody was saying, he did, I don't know if you remember, John Healy used to come in and, and do different pieces for us during the day from the restaurant. They did a heart transplant on John Healy. John Healy has a new heart, right. thanks to James. So you kind of figure out, oh, well, I'll oh, be okay. This guy knows what he's doing, yeah. But when you're checking in though, oh, the surreal thing of, you, know, you have to have your body hair removed and you have to take a mad shower and this very strange like, stuff. Do you kind of almost, I, I feel like my, I would feel my stomach would be off, I feel I'd be getting 
shakes at times. I feel like just yeah. chronically nervous. For whatever reason, none of that happened. Right. Um, I remember going in and the person checking me and was more upset than I was. And they were saying to me, uh, you're going to be angry. And I was saying, why am I going to be angry? And they said, because you're well now and you won't be well in a few days. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh God. Yeah. So I just kept locking it in my mind. Now, you do take a Xanax, um, which I'm sure helps. Uh, but then I got a sleeping tablet, I had another one of those weird showers, and then the doctor came in, this Dr. Muhammad came in, and he said, um, I'll bring you down safely, and I'll bring you back safely. And they were very reassuring words. Yeah. Uh, and that was it, you know, I went into the, I, I don't remember much else, I don't remember getting the needle, I don't remember going under. Um, the next do you, thing do you know, or have later. you, or have you? Yet, I mean, six days later. Yeah, sorry, I could across that. That's a, you don't you don't expect to reemerge six days later. No. Um, the, as do you I know said, what went wrong, or have you asked no, why you it four four pints of blood? The, I know one thing that went wrong was my kidneys failed, and I had to have dialysis, and uh, that complicated everything. Uh, I don't know what else happened. Other things must have happened. Uh, I came out of it and I met Audrey and... I would, want, I would want to know. Yeah, I don't yet want to know. It feels too close. It does, yeah. Okay. Um, I had really bad dreams during the surgery. I mean, they were terrifying. And when I came out of it, I saw Audrey and there was something inside me said, I'm not going to tell her about the dreams. And I think at the same time she was telling, she was thinking, I'm not going to tell them about the six days. So even once or twice, I've, I've slightly broached it and she said, no, not yet. As in the content of the... Yeah, what went on, yeah. Oh, the two, it's a two-way street, I'm not telling her about the nightmares, and she doesn't want to talk about the six days. Mm. So I didn't know that Ireland had beaten the All Blacks for weeks afterwards, weeks. Oh. You should have delayed the surgery. I thought somebody that. would have told me. I thought the first you know, thing you'd be told. Yeah, it seemed. Tom, this Ireland beat the All Blacks and you're okay. Yeah. You may have been out of it, but guess what happened while you were out. And they were great. Uh, God, frightening. Yeah, it was. That, that's when I got rattled. Did the nightmares continue? They did a little bit, but nothing like those ones. It's amazing you can remember them. Yeah. Do people oh. tend to remember what they dreamt about in Yeah, surgery? we were Googling it, and um, the nightmares are a big part of your body dealing with the trauma. Okay. Because I think your brain is, is going, this isn't right. They're, they split up my chest, yeah. and they've stopped my heart. This is as big a threat to me as you can get. Mm. You know, your body is just thinking, you're bringing me very close to the edge. Yeah, I thought um, one, of the, one of the great things you talked about on The Late Late Show, because uh, I was speaking to someone recently who had heart issues as well, and they said a year on, they were like, I still haven't processed everything. I still mm. feel fragile uh, mentally. And you talked on The Late Late Show about how almost, abhorrence too strong a word, but it's it's a it's it almost you almost feel detached from this scar mm. on your body like this is my body I was a couple of months ago it was fine and now the scar is well it's big uh, mm. naturally and and that's um, probably a traumatic thing to it come is. to terms with yeah it makes it very real there's times when you almost forget it because I feel great mm. it was very successful surgery um, but then you just have a shower and you see this and it feels, uh, you feel deformed, you feel, you feel ugly. You're looking at this and there's two drain holes under it as well that are mm. bloody huge too. They're not going away yet. Um, and I know the first time I saw all that was when a nurse said, 
um, you should try and get a shave or something to make yourself feel better. So the, the very first day back up. And that was when I saw I had two holes in my neck from the dialysis. Mm. They'd take that through the carotid artery. And I was looking at myself and I really got that sense of, God, you've been in the wars. Yeah. Um, I think that's a very powerful thing, especially for you know, a man to admit, I feel ugly with it because yeah. uh, it can seem so trivial, like you, know, you almost died, don't worry about your vanity. Mm. But if it's how you feel, it's how you feel, and you won't yeah. be the only person who would no. have felt like that. No, it's a big sense of who you are. and yeah, It's funny, you kind of, I think when you look in a mirror, you see all the same ages of yourself. You see yourself as a child and as an adult. You kind of, you've watched yourself growing up. You yeah, know? you don't notice all the differences sometimes. No. Not as violent as this, yeah, a change. You're looking, I think, saying, what's something I have to do to my body? It's, yeah. you know, it's harsh, um, but it's necessary, I suppose, is the bottom line. Well, I saw you say, um, if you'd been born maybe a generation ago, God. you'd have had maybe yeah. two years. Yeah. The kids would have been 11 and 13 when I'd be checking out. That wouldn't be good. That's very scary stuff. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. And I've been getting a lot of emails and texts from people in, in similar situations. And sometimes there are people who didn't get a warning, you know, mm. had a heart attack. Now they've survived the heart attacks. But that's a bad way to go into hospital. That's, and my heart, because I delayed, had done a bit of damage to uh, the stem behind the aorta, so they had to replace that as well. Okay. If I'd gone a year ago, they wouldn't have had to replace that, so it would have been a, a lesser surgery. Mm. Um, but, and then there's people who have heart attacks and won't make it, and that's frightening, it really is. And it's all in your 50s, that's when it kicks in. So you could have led a perfectly normal life up to that, right? and then you're going to be in trouble if you're not careful. It's one in 50 have something like this. Right, is that right? Yeah. That's a lot of people listening right now. It seems big to me. When I heard that number, I was looking around crowds and thinking, there's 200 people here, that's four people. And aside from your you know, bit of breathlessness at the top of a steep stairs, which even if that happened to me, I would just put it down to, God, I'm getting old. Um, yeah, exactly. There were no major symptoms. There were no big warning signs. No, nothing at all. Okay. So there's no harm if you can afford it or find a way to do it yeah. to go and get Even a doctor a can, can you, check you, can, yeah. Okay. It becomes very audible. Um, the valve isn't performing properly and there's a, there's a back flush, there's, there's blood going backwards mm. in, in the aorta and that creates a sound and it's a very recognisable sound. Mm. So early days when you're young it's hard to pick up but by your 30s and 40s it's any doctor Is will that pick right? that up. Yeah. Okay. Do you think it's had a, a change on your outlook on life um, or do you, do you quickly switch back to living your life the way you did? I don't think I've processed it yet. I think that's, that's where it stands. I think I'm so delighted to be back healthy again. Um, wrestling with the kids is one of my all-time joys. It's amazing, yeah, because I saw you say that there's no big restrictions now. You don't, your no, lifestyle has not changed. You do whatever I want. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. But even more so, like I can, I can run, I, can, uh, I could do a marathon. Lots of people do marathons. Mm. Um, physically, I'm not limited in what I can do. So if you were to treat the next 30, 40 years as bonus. It is a know, bit of a bonus. Maybe you should do an old yeah. bucket list, which, which is a less grim connotation. You know? <laughs> yes, I'm still, uh, still processing it. I, I still, it happened so quickly. Will, will you go and talk to a psychologist or will you talk to anyone about this? I wouldn't this? mind. I wouldn't mind because uh, the whole experience was very shocking. Yeah, and, uh, over quite a quick period. Yeah, quite a quick period, yeah. Those dates, you know, they're, they're etched in my mind yeah. at this point. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's been a lot to take on board. 
Yeah, probably um, I know ways physically, you don't I'm going to physio very soon. They say it's very important to build up your body confidence again. Mm. Um, I look forward to that. But I think mentally, there's a lot of. I wouldn't mind talking to you. Yeah. The dreams were horrific. Well, it's amazing. The, that's a few times you mentioned the dreams. Yeah. Oh, when I got back as well to the house, they came back to a degree when I was in the house. Yeah. And that was watching TV and thinking it's 11 o'clock, I don't want to go to bed. I'm just trying to put it off. And then around 12, going, I'm going to have to go to bed. I'm hating it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, have you told anyone what's in the, what, what's in the no. dreams? Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I would talk to someone about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they were very threatening. I was, you know, they were life or death. Yeah. You know, I felt threatened in them, and I was kind of going, How have I, I've, I've come in so professionally, how have I ended up in, in the dream? It was very, you know, slapped. There were people not deliberately not helping me and stuff. And oh, God. Well, they wouldn't give me water as well. And I remember when the, the nurses offered me ice cream, I then asked for a glass of water, and a, a bit of me was expecting her to say no. Because the dreams. Yeah. Wow. Listen, um, Thanks for coming in and sharing all that with us. And it's, uh, it's great to be back. I sharing it is coming to terms with it. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And also telling people to get their hearts checked. Well, 100%. Yeah. Um, do and that. Give blood. That. Yeah. And being back on the radio must seem like oh, nice a dream. Enjoyable. A dream to be listening to music again and playing it. Yeah. Oh, bring it on. Wouldn't it be terrible if you woke up and suddenly all that stuff that you loved seemed trivial and unimportant and a waste of time? Yeah, I'm happy to say the total opposite was true. I came out of it thinking I really appreciate my life. I love my family. Um, I love music. I love singing. I love the band. Mm. I feel very privileged to have the life I have. Mm. And to get back to it is just, oh, it's like winning the lottery. So Probably a sign of a life well lived because these moments can provoke a complete change. I'm going to do something totally different. Yeah. Like, what, have I, what have I been doing, doing X, Y, and Z in my yeah. life? I'm going to do this. No. So maybe it's a good sign that you... I'm not feeling that at all. I, I wonder now if, I, if I'd never gone into music, if I'd stuck at engineering, would I have had the same reaction? <laughs> Audrey, I'm starting a band, <laughs> you said. Probably definitely would have started a band, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I used to give blood regularly when I was younger, had kids, etc. then life got busy, went back to try two years ago, but iron was low so I couldn't give. Really important to donate. I've done it 20 times. I would love to do more. I used to encourage more people to do it, says Shane in uh, Galway. So that tallies with your point, yeah. actually. There are restrictions. Yeah, Peter, the English thing is huge. It's mad cow disease, which is prevalent is, in England. Is that it? Yes. So that has contaminated the blood supply there. and Of a generation or two? Yeah. Is that right? It's an issue for us. It's extraordinary, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. What music, what a lovely question, Peter and Drumcondra, what music did Tom listen to during recovery? I had two of the funniest nights of my life. They were giving me um, very powerful drugs, morphine. And at first I thought this is... I, a brief tangent. Yeah. What's morphine like? Yeah, trippy. So I was having very, what I can only call fantastic hallucinations. So I knew they were coming. So I went for the White Album, had just been reissued, but the real gem was Kate Bush's back catalogue. Right. And I was listening to that in a parallel universe. Oh, I'd say. It really was very enjoyable. That's oh absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Oh, dear. They'd hook you up to it, and they, you were stuck with it for three hours. So The dialysis or the morphine? The, the morphine. morphine. Yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. So I just had to go, look, might as well enjoy this. And would it last for the rest of the day then? You yeah. Can, there was a party going on in the room next to me for the first two days. Right. People singing songs. And twice I asked nurses, what's the story with the party? And twice they looked at me saying, 
what do you want of it? <laughs> and that was, I could listen to the songs they were singing yeah. and the songs they were playing. And I was Googling one at one point. It was an old World War II song. So, but it was as real to me as you are in this room. Wow. Um, it sounds as well like you ticked the, you know, the, um, the staff were incredible boxes oh, as well. they were amazing. Everyone who goes through something like yeah. this comes out and says, you know, you're just yeah. in their hands, literally. And they were so good. They were just so good. And, and I'd be calling them during the night. Um, they just come in full of reassurance mm. and confidence and this is usual, don't worry about it. And oh, they were brilliant. Mm. Yeah, great people who do it. Oh, so professional. Listen, I've taken up enough of your time. I think you've very more than got the message out and you're on the way in about an hour's time. What's yeah, coming up? Two hours of blissful music. Ryan Adams has returned. His new album, his new single is great. And my favorite, Jenny Lewis, probably the only person in the world who's mad about her, but I think she's great also. The female Levis Costello. And new stuff from Vampire Weekend. And so loads of great stuff going around. I'm catching up on it all because there was two months there. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm listening to a lot of it. A last text in. Great to hear the discussion with Tom. I had uh, my aortic valve replaced in 2016. Changed my life completely. Now I grab life with both arms. Got an awful lot. Got um, got out of an awful relationship and did all the positive things uh, I should have done before. I hate the scar too, mm. but life is great. From another Tom. I hope the scar will die down. You know, I, I've I've seen people much you know, have had it 10 or 15 years or five years. It must do. It seems to just disappear at the moment. It's red raw and, you know, I started wearing vests. Never thought I would. <laughs> so when I got out of hospital, I threw out the slippers and the, and the pajamas yeah. as well. They right. went in the bin. You're not a pajama man? <laughs> no. Okay. No. I won't ask. Fight the fight. Okay. <laughs> Ramones t-shirt. Good man. Right. Tom Dunn, on the way after 10, we've got the football show next. Off the ball. Find us on Twitter at Off the Ball. News Talk 106 to 108.